All right. Any ground rules I should know about? Uh, just don't bring up the Illuminati and that's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll do All right. So, Reed, I'm just going to dive into it because Landon, Landon pretty much jumped straight into it when uh, I interviewed him in the previous episode. So, okay. obviously, we were roommates together. And we stayed in a not-so-glamorous house together. Like, how would you describe living in that house to somebody who just did know? I'd say a prerequisite for that is you, um, you've got to be okay with um, a house that hasn't been cleaned in about five yeah, years. Not having the finer things in life. Not the finer things in life. There are trade-offs. There are trade-offs. But um, let me just paint a picture for you. You walk in the first. <laughs> you walk into the first room. All the furniture is mi- mismatched because it's all from different yard sales or people picking it up off the side of the road. You, you're walking around barefoot and the rug, you're just picking up cloths of dog hair because <laughs> no one's vacuumed in months. And then you go into the next room and you notice water dripping down the ceiling <laughs> <laughs> from the uh, upstairs tub, which doesn't drain. And then you turn the ping pong room and you realize there's a three by three block out of um, <laughs> of, of drywall because someone threw their shoulder through it trying to go for a ping pong match and man it was rough um Dude, you've literally made it through one third of the house and i'm already having like just ptsd yeah the the bathroom i shared a bathroom with one other guy who was he wasn't the cleanest guys but man you could sit on the toilet and brush your teeth it was so small <laughs> Well, I mean, our bathroom upstairs, you pretty much had to like, you pretty much had to like sit on the sink and brush your teeth because (laughs) if you were anything above five, eight, there was no way you were sitting down in the toilet. You tell them that's, uh, you gotta be a contortionist to live up on the second floor. Like you, I don't, (laughs) (laughs) and that was literally all the tall people, minus John Walker and Will lived on the second floor. And I don't know why. That's just how it was meant to be, man. And speaking of like contortion and twisting things, from what I remember, all right, this to get up to the second floor, you had this windy staircase that wasn't built up to any sort of code or anything. It was definitely an add-on to the house, but it wasn't designed to where you could get a, a mattress or a box spring. Oh, <laughs> so you're bringing up so many good things. I forgot that even happened. I knew yeah. exactly what you about to say. So for all of you listeners out there, John saw it. He saw it in half. So he get it up the floor or up to, up to the second floor of his room. Um, it was just a very irregular house. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, the foundation was broken, so you could drop a ping pong ball. Um, the foundation was the foundation wasn't broken. It was breaking like consistently. <laughs> like the house literally slid down the street the whole two years we lived there. That's right. And um, because of that, we had a water leak in our front yard. So at one point, I think we had a super big, really big uh, water bill one month. And we complained to our landlord and someone came out to look at it and realized there was because of the settlement of the house, the our water line had broken or there was some sort of leak so they came in and fixed it they dug a ditch like we were back in world war one and they they fixed it the, just left it they just left it so we didn't have to mow any grass in the front yard <laughs> <laughs> as if we were going to do it anyway no we were on the twice a year schedule the backyard 
we had to borrow it was neighbor a jungle. Yeah, it was bad. And uh, poor SJ, we had a dog <laughs> who uh, no one officially owned him. He just kind of. SJ is his own man. Yes, he came with the house, but that dog would roam around the jungle. It was our backyard. I can't believe he didn't get bit by a snake or anything by the how long I was out there. Um, and he would be naive enough to do it. That's right. He he's such a nice dog. He would let the snake bite him and then like apologize to <laughs> like, oh, sir, did you mean to bite me? I'm sorry, my arm got in your way. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's the coolest dog ever. Um, coolest, the coolest dog I know. He was one of the redeeming quality of that. Um, something someone reminded me of recently is um, we became immune to it because we heard it all the time. But we had a friend come and stay with us. Do you remember a guy, Hunter Bonham from Alabama? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's dating a girl, now married to a girl at stake. Um, he stayed with us one night and stayed on that green, terrible, nasty uh, section. Ugh. And the next morning we're like, Hey man, how'd you sleep? And he said, I slept terrible. There's an, al- there's a fire alarm that beeped every about 30 seconds. But the- yeah. for that, the issue was we couldn't find it where it was. We thought it was an- literally to this day. It's like, you can track the sound and you get, it's like almost a game where it's like, are you warm or are you cold? It's like, you would, you would hear it really loud and you'd be like, okay, I'm near it. And you would take like one step to the right. And then it's like, the sound disappeared and then you would take like two steps to the left and it sounded like it's on the opposite side of the house to this day. No one knows where, like where this smoke detector was. And then, <laughs> and there was, we literally one day went through and collected every single smoke detector in the house Yeah, and taking the batteries out of them. And there was still one we couldn't find. I mean, it's like the worst, like it's almost like a, torture tactic or something like um it could drive you crazy for sure because you couldn't find it no matter how hard you look um yeah so speaking of stuff that happened at the house what would you say is like the craziest story that happened well okay i'll actually give you the opportunity to say two because landon said it too okay. and i just want to see if if either one or both match up Yes. So peak, um, peak Overstreet was definitely fight night. Uh, okay. That was Landon's number one. Landon went in, okay. I don't want to go too much into detail then, but um, that was really hype. Um, another strange thing that happened. Uh, Come on, Reed. You got this. Right. You got See, it. That was that was going to be my finisher. That was going to be the ultimate tell the story. But Landon already stole my thunder. Come uh, on. What's number two? You got it. I can, I can see two, it on the tip two. of your tongue. I can see tip it. Tip of my tongue. Craziest thing that happened. Um, oh, man. See, now, now I'm nervous. And I see the clock's ticking away. And he's like, <laughs> on the verge of like, all right, this guy's really boring. Um, no, it, Reed, you were literally right there, apparently, when it happened. Um, I'm trying to think, man, I had a really good time at, uh, we had that Christmas party that one time. Do you remember that? Oh, we did have the Christmas party, yeah, because I was a photographer there, and didn't Eric come dress as Santa Claus? I believe that that definitely happened, and we had a bunch of people from the fraternity show up, and that was all good. Um, and then... I think later in the night we had the bonfire going and then we ended up taking a, took, 
We took that Christmas card photo. Yeah, I remember that. That was a that was a really good memory for me. So the the answer that we were looking for was the hidden run that happened in the front yard. Oh man, I'm ready to tell that story. I just I, I want to hear because that was the one thing that happened that I I I was kind of like the secondary backup. Like I came pretty much when everything was like at the peak of it, but like you were there from start to finish and, you know, and this is also one of the things where Landon couldn't really tell the story on. So it'll give you time to shine because he slept through it somehow. Um, Yeah. I think of less of him as a friend now. Yeah. I really needed him in the moment, but he just kept, but, (laughs) but it was like, yeah, I don't even know if you remember how I ended up there other than the fact that I live there. But it was I was actually in the bed asleep as well. But I just remember hearing this like loud sound. And then I hear you of all people. You're like, oh, Lord. And then I was like, what, what's going on? Because like, Reed, you're like the most like temper minded person I know. So when you're distraught, everyone else should be distraught. Yeah, it was it wrecked my world and um, <laughs> kind of a precursor to this. Um, I was thinking about you've seen me freak out twice, John. One time was um, I was outside before a wedding trying to get something off a jacket and it was kind of overcast. But then all of a sudden, kabow, lightning oh. it was really close to the house and fight or flight kicked in. You can't fight the lightning. So you got to run. And I ran <laughs> straight into the house. And I jumped on the couch and I was shaking. I jumped right by John and I was like, oh my gosh, I almost died. This is <laughs> um, it was scary. I actually, was, I actually forgot about that. Yeah, I was before I was living there, but that was um that was definitely a precursor to where um that was not the first time I was gonna get flipped out of my mind. So let me paint a picture for all the viewers best I can. I'm no uh, poet, but um so it was senior year and I like to stay up late and work, especially if I'm being productive. So this particular night, I'd work till midnight out at uh, the library. And um, I drove home and I parked on the street because there were five of us living in the house, but there was only room for like two or three cars in the driveway. So park in the street. Our neighbor's car is on the other side of the street. And there's probably, there's a pretty wide area. There's probably at least uh, 15, 20 feet between the cars. So we did it all the time. No biggie. Anyway, it's about 12.15. I pull up, lights. I start getting this kind of weird, eerie feeling, and it's pitch black outside. I've got my Yeti cup in one hand and a bunch of textbooks in the other, and I get them out of my back seat, and I see this car coming up over the hill. Now, this is – we live pretty close to a corner, so any car has to come to a stop before they get to the end of the road, you know, but this car was kind of – kind of booking it. And I was like, Oh gosh, this is strange. So I just kind of walk a little bit faster to get kind of out of the street. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I hear the loudest sound of my life. And this is 1230. And I, my body took over and I run and I'm screaming and I bust the door open. I yell, son of a and I, okay, I was, I, I was like, I, I don't think I was a little bit more courteous on the language, but oh I was like, gosh. I, I, I felt, I thought I remember you saying something different than, oh Lord. Yeah. So y'all, y'all are just having another night already falling asleep. I bust in the door cussing up a storm 
I'm like, oh my. Which is so out of character for you. I, I would more so expect <laughs> me to do that. But like, if you if if you do that, I just know the world is in. It was bad. It it rocked my world because I, it it felt so close to me, and it just took over my senses, and I didn't know what to do except run. Um, adrenaline's kicked in. My heart's going. So I remember I throw my backpack, all my books. I throw it on the couch right there in the living room, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, what just happened? And then. I walk outside because I realized this car just hit this other car that was parked at like 30, 40 miles an hour. This is serious. And I walk outside and I see a girl and she's cussing up the storm. <laughs> and the Which later became one of my favorite people in the world. <laughs> yeah, wait, 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 no, that was a different girl. This, Those people hadn't come out of their house yet. This was the girl. Oh, okay. That, this, there's a girl driving the car and she's the one that, hit my neighbor's car that was in park. So we, we run out there, y'all come in behind me and the car with the girl that just hit this park car speeds off nowhere to be found. Like what the heck just happened? And we look and our neighbor's car (laughs) rolled down the street, 90 degree turn, hopped the curb and ended up in our neighbor's yard. Yeah. I literally don't understand like physics. I need somebody who majored in physics. Let me know. But this car was literally down the street on the opposite side of the street. And then it somehow got down the street on the opposite side of the street, jumped the curb into our yard. And it wasn't even in the same direction that it was originally. So I'm just like, did she pick the car up and put it there? Hey, that's, that may be the Illuminati or some strange thing. <laughs> <laughs> the Illuminati <laughs> made the kid run. I don't know how that works, but... Um, anyway, so I'm, we're freaking out. I'm like, I guess we got to call the cops. So, um, I think we knocked on our neighbor's door. This is like 1230 at night at this point. And we're like, uh, Hey, your car just got hit and it's down the street. And, um, these people are like, what's going on? So they come outside. I called the cops, told them all about what we found. The cops come, we got to do a full report. I'm still pacing because my heart is going. I'm freaking out. And then I'm going to let you tell the story of our neighbor because uh, you had a special bond with her. That- yes. So we, we both come from a similar cloth um, where we both are very ratchet at times. Uh, we know how to turn it <laughs> on and off. But it was like, it was just like, I obviously was so caught off guard because I came at the, you know, I think by the time I had shown up, because, I mean, I was asleep, and I think it was because I had a headache because so I had taken some sleep medication or a headache mm-hmm. medication. So I was, like, kind of knocked out. So it took me a while to get my shoes on it downstairs. So by the time I got downstairs, the cops were already there. She had already left, and the neighbors had already come out. Um, so I was kind of late to the party, but it was like I didn't know what was going on. But the only thing that I knew, it was like, I don't know who this girl is, but I like her energy. Uh, it was just like <laughs> she obviously it was a sucky situation because I think the car was her brother's car. Um, oh but she was obviously like a very good mixture of like very, very pissed off and frustrated, but also. Watching. Yeah.
Hey, Reed, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, I can. I lost you there. You, I think you were at the part where you said she obviously something. Oh, okay. I think I, I think I know where I was. Yeah. So obviously she was frustrated about, you know, the whole thing that was going on. Um, But she was kind of like 50% like I'm pissed off and frustrated. And then the other 50% was I have a new audience. I think I'm going to take this time to practice my new comedy set because everything (laughs) she said was like comedy gold. I was like, how do we not have cameras out here filming this? It was just like her and just everything she said, it was just like, I'm pissed off. Why would she do this? How did this happen? And she would end it with like some crazy joke or like some, I think at the time, like the best case to describe her is if like, if Vine was a person, like it would be her <laughs> because her one line is like top notch, very, very animated, but like not in like a really crazy, like outfit way. It was just like the things she would say, you just weren't expecting. Like, I think colorful is the best way to describe it. And yeah, ever since then, it was like we had that special bond. It was like before that, we didn't know she existed. And then after that, we would see her all the time. Didn't she like offer to bake us a cake? Because somehow we started talking about like a cake as, you know, her brother's car was in our front yard, completely demolished. And she like offered to bake us like a cake or, or something. Yeah, um, that was payment for like being there and witnessing and reporting. Just like more support, the cake. Yeah, moral support. She's like, I really appreciate you guys on bake this cake. So the rest of the year, we're like, oh man, I'm just ready for some of her cake. And um, which, to be honest, I didn't even care about the cake. It was just I want her to deliver the cake so I can talk to her again. <laughs> That's right. It, it never came, and they moved, <laughs> and I never. I don't remember her name. I don't remember much about her at all. I actually do remember everything about her. I remember her name. So the only reason I actually do remember is because um, later I found out that her boyfriend was somebody that I worked with. So my company used his company to print like a lot of signs and stuff. Um, And I recognized his truck. And then one day I just happened to be and the like pulling up in the front yard and obviously like you said if you're not one of the first three people to get to the house you have to park on the street and i was parking on the street and he was like coming out of her house and i was like hell hey what's up and he was like hey what are you doing here and i was like i live here and he was like well i stay here sometimes too because my girlfriend lives here with her brother and so i had you know i was friends on facebook and i was like i gotta research this girl and they had literally just gotten engaged so i was like oh this is so easy like, I just found her. Well, hey, if you're listening out there and you lived across the street um, from us. We love you and we miss you. <laughs> if <laughs> never, that's not never, creepy, we <laughs> Never change. How about it, it literally never change. Just get better. Oh, man. Um, so anyway, to kind of give our listeners closure, the cops came, we filed the report, and then after the cops left, they followed the fluid line, like, when this yeah, girl, she didn't make it hard at all. Yeah, the whatever fluids coming out of her car, she left like a blood trail like a deer would leave. Anyway, <laughs> um, they reportedly couldn't find her. So after that, I was wide awake at this point. I remember Jackson and I, we hopped in his Jeep and we decided we're going to follow the trail and figure out where this girl went. 
And we ended up going to, um, can't remember. It was close I know to- exactly what you're talking about. It yeah, was, it was that, a newer new, that new property development in the cotton district that was kind of expensive. It was small. They only had like a few number of units, but I remember saying like, of course she lived there. Cause I think later we found out her dad was an attorney. Yes. I'm looking at now is like Russell and Jernigan area intersection. Um, yeah. And then word of mouth was some girl had ran from, she was supposedly drinking and she decided that it was better for her to try and run out the cops and not get the DUI, but get the hit and run instead. And, um, that's the, that's the choice she made. Um, but anyway, the, I guess the, our neighbors got their insurance money and all that, but after all that, it was a crazy night. Like, I couldn't fall asleep. My heart was still going. And then I started getting really fearful. I was like, ooh, what if somebody saw me out there and realized I snitched on them and they showed up at the house and wanted revenge? I just started thinking all these really strange things. And so I went and fell asleep watching a movie like 3 a.m. Um, so, oh, man. You know, I'm really glad you brought that up, John. Um, Reed, yeah. SJ would have protected you and not let anybody do anything to you unless they put out an uh, envelope. And then at that point, you're on your own. I'd like to think that, John. I'd like to think that. <laughs> so I guess now that we've escaped Alcatraz and, you know, you've been in the working force for a while, you're out on your own, married. What What is dead life like compared to the <laughs> what we had to go through in college? Man, it's got uh, it's got its own challenges. It's got its own um, marriage is a lot of fun. Marriage is um, hard as well. Um, takes a lot of work. Um, I think I. It's really strange because I feel like in marriage I've got this one best friend, but now all of my other college friends we've all separated and moved out, and so it's just um, it's just missing the college friends, you know, that you spent every day with, or we've got the chance to live with you guys. So that's been really different. It's harder to make, um, to build relationships as an adult, I'd say, especially everyone just likes to go to work and go straight home. Um, yeah. So past few, I've been out of school, uh, almost three years now. And I feel like past two years or so, it's been a very much passive thing. I'm not going to go out and do anything unless someone pursues me first. Um, and I've realized like if, if you really don't take much initiative to build relationships with people, they're really not going to happen unless someone else is that big initiator, you know? So um, something I've become passionate about and realized that we all need is just community. I think um, adult, it's really sad to say, but being an adult is very lonely. It's, it's just strange. Um, you get into this, all right, I just go to work every day. I get my paycheck. I pay the bills. Um, it can get really monotonous. And, um, I think something that really brings me joy is finding ways to get people together. Um, so that's been, um, something that I've become more passionate about. It's something I really enjoyed doing in college. Um, but it was different then because I had a niche. Um, I guess being in the fraternity, you already have a, a strong base of people around you that you can always uh, turn to or lean on. Or if I'm going to 
try and get people together to, I don't know, let's say put together a pickup uh, intramural or not intramural, like ultimate Frisbee game. I didn't do a whole lot of that, but I'm just thinking of an example. Like it was just so easy to have all those people there um, willing to much more flexible schedules. Um, but nowadays when you're in this new environment, it doesn't, I don't have as much of that um, infrastructure of community around me. So, um, and I feel like a lot of other people don't as well. So something I do care about is making sure people feel um, welcome in my friendships or um, something like professional organizations. That's something I've really enjoyed. Um, I work for an engineering firm and civil engineering and um, been a part of Mississippi Engineer Society and really, really love it. And just trying to find ways to get people engaged, to build relationships, because I, um, that's, that is how we all become better. And um, that's how we all feel welcome when we know people's names and we're able to have shared experiences. So um, I, I'd say to answer your question, um, it can be lonely at times, but um, it's really rewarding to take the time to um, realize there are a lot of other people in your position as well. And um, just getting a chance to bring people together in some way or find common ground. I, I really enjoy that. Yeah, I actually I like envision you being like <laughs> I just like the scene from a movie, like you walk outside, like check your mail and like all the other neighbors are walking outside and you like know everybody by name, like wave <laughs> like, oh, hey, Chuck, how's, how's the, you know, the kids soccer game going? Oh, just gosh. having like the, the friendly neighborhood conversations. That's a utopia, I think. Or maybe, I don't know. That could be really fake, too. I mean, I'm, at this point, I'm considering even buying a, um, a second, buying my, having a second home in your neighborhood just so I can get invited to some of these community events. There you go. You might as well uh, join a country club or something at that rate. <laughs> uh, but, I, don't think, I don't think we can. We're at country club status just yet. Hey. Better than paying a mortgage, I guess. <laughs> so I guess, you know, going back off of, you know, events and kind of like the things that you can just do spontaneously, um, like just, you know, on the fly. Uh, what kind of stuff do you usually like if you say, like, I want to plan something? What type of things do you usually go for if it's like I want to plan something that needs to be planned out like months in ahead, maybe, you know, take a little bit more money, a little bit more resources people involved and like what are what kind of things do you look forward to well i'll be honest with you i think i enjoy the much more easygoing um options i I think there's a misconception that there takes a whole lot of planning and a whole lot of money to get people together i think some of my most enjoyable times is um deciding all right everybody we're going to meet up for happy hour at this place or there's a trivia night going on and um handful of us are going, we hope you can come. Um, so I've really enjoyed those lower key events. Um, for the bigger things, um, really we've had like a Christmas party, for example. Um, I'm about to start heading up our alumni base in Jackson and trying to get, just trying to keep everyone plugged in, trying to continue to build relationships or maybe build relationships with guys who've been out of college for 10, 15 years with guys fresh out of college or guys like me, they're still just learning what um, adulting is like and how to be uh, 
just a, a good disciple of Christ. Um, I think it's, I don't know. We've got a lot of options in Mississippi because we've got the outdoor stuff. We've got um, something I want to do is uh, once the quarantine stuff is up, like just minor league baseball games and a chance just for everyone to be there together and enjoy baseball. Um, on a smaller scale, I've become a fan of um, disc golf. I've only played probably five or six times in the past few weeks, but I've got one friend who's really good and he's been taking me out. And I've realized that's a really good chance to um, build relationships with people. Um, and you can go with a decent sized group too. So um, I haven't built up to big events quite yet where we're renting out of giant space, but um, really it's my goal right now is to build an organic following where um, I start figuring out who are people who want to be engaged, what can we kind of expect, and then um, kind of go from there because you realize that a lot of people have a lot of other commitments, jobs are stressful, people have kids, um, people travel for work, and people have other commitments, um, and that's all good. Um, but right now, it's at least this past few months, I've been testing out the waters to see who really wants to be engaged, who wants to, um, who wants, who's excited to be there kind of thing. And then once you start getting a following, being able to ramp things up a little bit. Yeah. So I, you know, based off of that, I see you being more of the outdoorsy type person. So you would much rather go on like a camping trip. Oh man. I, I really miss the, um, Back in college, we would go on a camping trip once a semester. It either be camping. I, I don't miss it, by the way. Oh man, camping is awesome, man. I well, I, I would just say the the circumstances of what kind of <laughs> skewed my my opinions on. I because I do I do get what you're saying. Like I value the time that we all have together, just out there in nature, no technology, no phones, yeah. just that one on one communication. But it was, I think. If I can accomplish that, but also not have to sleep in a hammock, freezing to death or getting eaten up by mosquitoes and not showering for three days, I think it'd be a really I mean, a dream scenario for me, honestly, too. But what would you say has probably been one of your favorite camping trips, like college, outside of college, or um, it doesn't matter? Oh, gosh. Um I'd probably say um, my bachelor trip. So I got married um, last summer of 2019. Um, back in April before that, so right about a year ago, I went out with my groomsmen, and we went to a place called Montesano in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. And so we all got out there, and uh, we camped. It was beautiful weather. It was, it was perfect. Um Anyway, that, that next morning, if you ever go on a camping trip, you need to invite a guy named Will Gray because that man can cook. On <laughs> he, was our, he was our cook the whole weekend. We loaded up on breakfast, had a real big breakfast, and then we went hiking to this place. It's up on the uh, – it was the Alabama-Tennessee border. It's called the Walls of Jericho. It was a six-mile hike, and it was rough. I mean, I I was not – I'd done it once before, but it – it was just a beautiful day. Um, you get to go down by this waterfall and really kind of explore all these giant kind of, not caves, but 
the water is carved out these giant bowls of the um, of a rock, and it's just so beautiful. And it was a good chance to reunite um, with close friends. And then the hike back was hard because you're hiking uphill. Um, but man, it really wore me out, and that that was good. And then um, that night. What's great about camping trips is that, um, I mean, you get back and probably, we got back from the hike about four and we cooked dinner and then we had the whole night. I mean, we had made hobo packs, which were like, where you just take meat, vegetables, throw in some Worcestershire sauce into like a, a aluminum foil and you bake it over the, the fire, cook it over the fire. And um, anyway, we just had so much time to just sit around the fire and talk. And that's really um probably some of my favorite time with friends so that was really special and the weather was perfect um anyway that, that was really special so i definitely would recommend anyone go camping especially um that'd be great if they could start opening up state parks and stuff because i mean camping can be a um uh what's the word distance you can't get distance and um social distance with all that so um, man, I, I hope my kids want to do scouts or something like that one day, and, um, just be able to go and share those same experiences with them. And, um, it's good. The bad part, my wife does not like camping. Um, so I'm really hoping that I can, um, <laughs> change her. You just have to find a happy medium. I actually, I enjoy nature, but I don't like camp. So I've been looking at some hybrid alternatives to okay. accomplish both. And to be honest, and I'll actually send you information on this. I think I think it it accomplished both goals, and you'll be fine. And I think the thing about these that you I, you in particular will like it as well because you are out there in nature, uh, but also is more so a community aspect to it as well. Um, okay. It sounds like so. A there's uh, <laughs> all right, you caught me. Uh, but it's pretty much anywhere from like. Uh, eight to 12 campsites and they're spaced out a little bit and you kind of have your own little uh every site is different some of them they have like uh these basically like one room cabin things and uh other ones they're like um i forget what they call but they're basically like big teepees and then it's just like grouped up in a cabin there are a bunch of group activities there's uh, you have the option to do like community style dinners with other people in the campsite. And then they have activities planned as well. Or like you're in a good enough place where you can go out and do your own thing and not really have to have a plan. I personally have been looking at that for myself just because I think, you know, given everything that's going on and, you know, starting a new job and it being stressful, yeah. like just being able to have a kind of a retreat to just go to and just kind of clear your mind and relax. But man, that's going off that, have you ever had any camping trips that have gone South that have made you like regret going? <laughs> um, let me think. I think the worst ones I did Boy Scouts growing up. And um, most of the time I was down in Florida and um, so we're not really used to the cold weather or anything like that. But this time, usually I was something called the assistant patrol leader. Or, yes. I can't quite remember. It was assistant senior patrol leader. So, like, I was second in command over all the guys in my troop. But this time, our number one guy couldn't make it. So I was number one 
for the first time. And so I was really excited about this trip. We go out and we go camping. I don't remember the name of the campsite, but it gets down to like 30 degrees that night. And um, that's cold. It's cold camping in that weather. Oh, you know what? No, 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 no. I've got a much better story. Um, oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My worst night camping. Um, I went out to Utah with four other guys in the fraternity. This was like Christmas break of my junior year of college, I think. And uh, we hopped in a Suburban and we drove out to Albuquerque and spent the night there. The next day we drove up to Arches National Park in Utah. So we kind of worked our way up there. We stopped at Four Corners. It took us a while to get up there. Eventually get there around five o'clock or so. And as soon as we pull up to this campsite, there is no one at the campsite. We're the only ones out there. Um, it starts snowing and we're like, Oh, great. So my friends, they had never put up the, uh, the tent before it was my tent. So I knew how, but, um, anyway, it was snowing and we were putting this tent up and we're like, all right, we got the tent up. We got to just get out of here. This is not going to be fun sitting around here for long. So we drive probably 30 minutes back into this town called Moab, eat dinner, just subpar food place, and then drive back to the campsite instantly go to bed and then it snows even more and um it was down in like the 10 degree 15 degree area and i was not ready for that i had my sleeping bag which wasn't rated for like probably lower than 40 degrees um but then i wore all my clothes which really you're not supposed to do with a sleeping bag the sleeping bag's supposed to insulate you but i was so cold out there i put on um all the layers of clothes i could wear and I was still so cold. So we were five of us in this tent and I woke up at like four 30 in the morning and really had to go to the bathroom, but I was stuck to where I'd have to climb over by everybody else. And so I just laid there for probably another hour, like really having to go to the bathroom. And it was so cold and you're just sitting there shaking in your bag. And then finally someone gets up and we're like, all right, all right, we're, we're going to go and get up and go. So we all, they had a bathroom there that you could like warm up in just a little bit. We made some instant coffee in the back of the car and then it was beautiful, but that night was miserable and have one friend named Andy Moore. Poor guy. He didn't have near thick enough sleeping bag. He said it was the worst night of his life. (laughs) And so that next night we went and camped and it got to five degrees, but it wasn't snowing. So it wasn't as bad, but that was the worst time we planned on camping a few more nights on our trip as we went through like the um what is that called the grand canyon and a few other places through like new mexico um but we ended up just we got a real nice hotel room in las vegas and just unwound and from there on we just stayed in cheap hotels and um we were pretty worn out from camping so that was a much better story than the the scouts one but it was you know one of one of my least favorite camping trips actually ended up the same way and ironically enough, you were also there. Which I don't one? know if you remember this. There was some cold. It was actually. Um, I don't. I don't even think it was cold. I think it was just miserable. Um, it was when we were supposed to have a large group go camping with us uh, outside of town. And, oh man! Uh, it was just me, you, and John Michael. <laughs> and we. The thing is, like that actually was like a really real. I I hate when like. There's really good moments, but it's always overshadowed by the overall bad experience because that was such a good, if you erase 
the time right when we decided to go to sleep. Everything yeah. before that was like, I would talk, like, I would write that down in a history book. It was just us, just outside of town. That was really, like, my first time doing something like that. Uh, Setting up camp, like, campsite. And then we just kind of walked the railroad track. We all took, like, railroad nails and spikes, uh, which I'm pretty sure I still have mine somewhere. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we just had, like, a really good time. I felt like, you know, I was at that point, like really making a, a connection with you and John Michael. And then we passed that one, I would like at this point would consider it somewhat of an art installation, but it was like all <laughs> these like creepy, like old TVs and like just random stuff in a pile. And it looked like somebody yeah. was living there, but maybe they weren't. And then all that was fine. And then we, Got ready to go to bed. And I just remember I never went to sleep. Like I was miserable <laughs> the whole time. I wanted to go so bad. And then I remember either you or John Michael waking up and was like, this isn't going to work. We should go. And I, I like at that point, I was so happy because I didn't want to be the one to say, like, hey guys, like, I can't, I can't do this. I wanted somebody else to say it. And so yeah, I've, I've never moment. been more excited in my life. Man, yeah, you did good. It was we we made the stupid mistake. We set up there was a really cool uh still out there, the train track bridge out of North Farm. And um the thing is you're there's a flowing creek that runs right under it. We're like, oh, it's gonna be so cool. We'll set up right out there. But the thing with water, flowing water makes it so much colder. And in a hammock, you lose so much heat out of your off your back. Um so I'm proud of you, John. Um I was probably the one that tapped out. And so we like 1230 we just called it a night and packed our bags up and drove back to campus um but you remember the real buff hobo uh yes i do yeah there whoever was living out there they, they installed a little pull-up bar we were joking that there was <laughs> whoever's living out here they're pretty ripped so don't mess with them yeah good, good times good times good times yeah so you can learn a lot about yourself being out camping and um a lot of about a lot of other people too, because there's there's so much less distraction, um, just with how crazy, how much other how, how many other things in our world are, are trying to take our attention. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we shared that experience together. I, I think that's that's like the perfect life lesson to to wrap it up on. I think Reed, I I can't thank you enough you know spending the time to be here. I think it was really good to reminisce. You hit on some really good high points about just community, um, you know, marriage, life, adulthood, college shenanigans. Um, one of my favorite people in the world. So thank you so much. Enjoy it, John. Until next time. Until next time.